Welcome to the Moonlight Real Estate Syndication Show, hosted by Eric Lindsay. Here at Moonlight, we will show you how to operate and invest in real estate syndications successfully while having W-2 income or another business that you operate on a full-time basis. We will learn from experts all things pertaining to real estate syndications. Here at the Moonlight Real Estate Syndication Show, we choose to focus on financial security, not job security. Welcome to the Moonlight Real Estate Syndication Show. I am your host, Eric Lindsay. Here at Moonlight, we choose to focus on achieving financial security through real estate. And today we are here with Ted Patel. Ted is an engineer, investor, syndicator, and also builder. He's the founder and CEO of Astra Capital, and he has over 10 plus years of experience in real estate investing. He focuses on luxury developments within the single family residential space, and he also develops small multifamily properties. He invests in large apartment communities and commercial real estate across several states. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Ted. Thanks a lot, Eric. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, well, it's definitely my pleasure. I'm looking forward to the conversation and just learning some of this vast knowledge that you have here. And so with that being said, if you could just share a little bit more about yourself and also how you got started in real estate. Sure. Uh, so my story goes way back in 2000. Um, I came to US uh, in 2000 to do my master's in computer science. So after after completing my master's, I started working with investment banks on Wall Street as a business analyst. Uh, worked with them till like 2008. And you know what happened in 2008 after this big uh, crash, right? There was a bloodbath on Wall Street. And I was the one, uh, also one who got caught up in that same bloodbath. So at that point of time, you know, I should start looking for different venues because I, I don't want you know, that to happen again to me, where I have put so many hours, uh, you know, my my dedication, my work with that company. And in one snap, it's gone. Mm -hmm. You put out all the 401k, everything, stock market goes down and, you know, your investment washes out. That's the other thing, right? So I started looking for a business because I, I didn't want, you know, uh, someone in the boardroom making decisions for me. This is hired. This is fired. This uh, guy's fired. So I do consulting. I, I did take take consulting positions now and then. But after that, I didn't take no W-2 jobs after 2008. It would be interesting for you, you know, to know as I was looking for some kind of business, want to venture out. I brought a truck stop in Florida. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I did have no, no idea about real estate. I wasn't into real estate, I would say, at that point of time. The, that business was good, too. You know, I kept that truck stop for about about three years. And I was also worked, uh, picked up some consulting positions uh, with uh, with the banks. And during that time, you know, I met a friend who is now a good friend. You know, I met someone who was into construction. After spending some time together with him, how about I work for you for free? Tell me what needs to be done. At that point of time, he was renovating a hotel. So I said, all right, I'll spend every day four hours for you. I'll come to your project. You give me work. You you tell me what are, what are the paperwork that needs to be done. I'll work with the contractors, everyone. You tell me. I'll give four hours. So I, I worked with him for about six months like this, learning mm -hmm. in and out of uh, 
how things are done in construction. And soon after that, I had to get started for myself, right? I had to start buying the investment property. So initially, I started buying foreclosure properties from sheriff's sale, from the auctions. And initially, I went to the courthouse, studied how it's done for about two, three months. I just made sure, you know, who, who is my competition? What is the risk appetite? And then I started bidding. I, I never looked back, you know, I, I still buy auctions. Yes, that was that was my start point uh, in investing. I used to buy small multifamilies, one to four units uh, from auctions, single family house, started doing flicks and fix and flips. For small multifamilies, if it makes sense, the cash flow makes sense, I keep it for myself, do the burn method, and you know, started increasing my uh, rental portfolio at that point of time. And as I got uh, more into real estate, I started doing ground up construction, also luxury single family houses, as well as uh, small multifamilies. In about, I would say, 2018, you know, I came across, I met an accident at one of my construction sites. All right. It was devastating. Yeah. Like while laying on the bed for about a couple of months, I did realize one thing that, of course, the business was good. Everything is good, but it was still an active investment for me, right? It was an active business. Mm -hmm. So it just struck me like, you know, what if something had worse had happened to me? I should, I had small multifamilies, but that wasn't enough to pay my lifestyle. So I, I started looking for more avenues where I can generate passive income. I, I wasn't a big fan of stock market. So, mm -hmm. and I was in the real estate. So let, let's, you know, I started attending some of the conferences and eventually I met a guy who was pretty young. At that point, 2018, I would say. And uh, while talking to him, he just mentioned, you know, I just bought a multifamily in Florida, uh, 160 units. And I was like, okay, how can you do it, man? I, I have been in real estate business for a while. I, I can buy 160 units. Mm -hmm. At that point of time, I, did, I didn't have no idea about like syndication how uh, of multifamilies. So then he said, you know, like, uh, this is how, you know, you can partner with different people, different groups, pull the money together, and um, you can buy uh, multifamily properties. And, and uh, that struck me and and it also gave me a new venue to generate passive income for me. So initially, while I was fully focused on my construction business, I started investing as a limited partner with a few operators. And while I was I was the most active passive investor, so because I wanted to learn the business, right? So yeah. when, wherever I partnered with uh, as a LP, I always used to tell the operator, the main guys, you know, let me be in your meetings. You know, if you have a meetings with property managers, investors meeting, pull me in. You know, I, I won't say anything, but I want to learn how the things are done. You know, give me some work about uh, any financial analysis that needs to be done or, you know, any record keeping that needs to be done. Give it to me. I'll try my best. You know, I'll, I'll spare a few hours every time, every week. Yeah. And slowly and steadily, we started underwriting our own deals after that. We invested in free properties as a, as a GP. So that's the story for now. But yeah, still we are actively uh, working in construction projects here in New Jersey. So for now, for me, now I have two venues for, for the investors, you know, uh, the investors who wants to invest in long term, like five years, who wants to get a tax break, immediate tax break by depreciation. They can go for multifamilies. The other investors who want to invest for a short term, 
but for the high return, they can they normally invest in my construction business. Wow. So it sounds like you've got active income going and also you're building up your passive income through syndication. Yeah. That's a really unique strategy. And that's a lot of my target audience in which people I really want to try to educate and help out to show that it is possible to be able to have passive income generated through real estate on the side of your business. So yeah, hats off to you for making that work and having that kind of operation available. So if I could kind of circle back, you learned the hard way that you really just didn't want to have all of your eggs in one basket. And when you saw the the crash presenting itself back in 2008, you knew that you had to do something instead of just having your future in the palm of someone else's hands and you started pursuing business and and things like that. So that's great. I'm a strong advocate for always being proactive rather than reactive and waiting on something major to take place. So that's great that you did. So if I could kind of just take a look inside of your business as of today, you mentioned that you started as a LP and now you're a GP. How are you guys finding deals in the inflationary environment that we're in on the syndication front? Do you have a, a recent deal that you've done and, and how you guys have been able to execute it, locate it and, and fund the deal? So recently, the last deal that we closed was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. It was a 252 units uh, and we brought it directly from the builder. There was a lot of, uh, you know, loss to lease on, on the table. So the uh, that worked out pretty well. We were able to get that deal directly from, from the broker uh, b- before it came to the market. Uh, he was able to give us the whisper price and, you know, we were able to close on uh, close on the deal pretty fast other the that was back in january once we knew you know the interest rates were little still at the point where it won't go much above uh, more than like 50, uh, 25 to 50 basis point after that earlier than that last year uh, i would say it was pretty tough because there was so much uh, fluctuation going on in the interest rate uh, we weren't sure at what point the interest rate might rise and how much so it was very difficult to underwrite those deals at that point uh, you know because uh, if we underwrite the deal keeping in mind the interest rate rise in the future six or seven months how much it will be the numbers won't make sense you know because uh, we'll be putting a lowball offer based on the uh, future future interest rates and if we write at the current interest rate like last year and mm-hmm. when the, once the interest rate rises, uh, we would be upside down. So it, it we we won't make it. It doesn't make sense. So we had stopped till December, I, like November. I'd say we had stopped doing any underwriting for about six months. We didn't do nothing. We have uh, we have now started picking up. We have been doing watching the market very closely and have started underwriting the deals. Uh, recently doesn't. It's very tough. Still, it's very tough because uh, the spread between the cap rate and the interest rate is still you know much higher the sellers hasn't come to a, an agreement or i would say uh, a realization mm-hmm. that the market has changed they are still looking for that higher rate that was before covid but the thing is now as the interest rate has stabilized i would say we should be able to find some good deals in near future that's great that's great and so you mentioned that you found a property in Myrtle Beach and it had a substantial loss to lease component to it. Mm-hmm. Was there any strategy that you guys implemented to burn off some of that loss to lease or to 
to bring the the rents up to market? Yeah. So the thing is, right? Um, normally, what I've seen when anyone is building a new new community, a builder, I'm saying, you know, they they want to get they're like in and out of the property very fast. So what they will do is most like I wouldn't say everyone does it. Most of the builders might do is try to fill up the property as fast as they can. They'll they'll try and because they want to fill up the property, they won't charge the premium that they have to because of the you know new construction, new building, new. So the property that we had bought, we had about per unit on an average three hundred dollars on the table. And the other thing is they didn't had additional charges like the pet fees. Uh, mm-hmm. They had a large parking in the back, you know, uh, covered parking. So they were. It, they they gave that covered parking to the tenants without any additional fees. So we were able to, you know, uh, start charging on that. And as soon as the lease expired for any of the tenants, uh, we tried to bring it to the market rate, the premium rate. Wow. Yeah, sounds like it was quite a bit of upside in there that you guys capitalized on. Okay, so, great. Uh, it's still working. We are keeping that property for next four to five years. Let's see how it goes. Uh, so far, it's doing good. Uh, we have been distributing uh, on quarterly basis. There's no, you know, we haven't stopped distribution on any of our properties. So that's uh, uh, still keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah, that's a plus, especially for the show, Aaron, here or being recorded on July of 2023, when there's a lot of people that's Beginning to go upside down with their properties because of not being super conservative with their underwriting. It sounds as if you are a great conservative underwriter. So hats off to you guys and uh, congrats on that amazing property. Ted, as we turn the page here, we're going to go a little bit further into the show. We have a portion of the show that we like to call our Moonlight Coaching Round. And we love to have our guests, seasoned, experienced operators such as yourself, Share and just give some insight on some questions that we like to ask. And so if you could hold your response to between one to two minutes per question, that'd be great. All right. Sounds good, man. Let's go on. All right. So first question is, what is something that you wish you would have known before you started investing in real estate? I should have, instead of buying the uh, truck stop, I should have started buying real estates. I should have started early. That's what I would say. You know, uh, there's, uh, and the other thing is, while on W2, instead of investing in stock markets, I should have started investing in real estate at that point of time. Because uh, what I've seen is stock goes ups and up and down, right? In, you know, real estate, of course, there might be a dip, but on the long term, it's always on the high, on the tra- trajectory ups, uh, upside. For now, I I don't invest much in stock. Right now, it's everything is in real estate. So diversify your portfolio. That's great. And employers need to do a better job of educating their employees about various different options outside of the traditional stock market in. And so a lot of that kind of falls on the employers for not educating their people about other vehicles to help their employees prepare for their retirement. So, yeah, that's a great answer there. For a person just starting out, and as of today, I dated the show, it's July of 2023. What would be a realistic approach and mindset if a person wanted to come in as an active GP? What would be realistic for them to consider that? From the time that they make their mind up as of today to the time that they close on a deal, 
what would be realistic for them to find a conservatively a conservatively underwritten property and close on it? So if this, the first of all is they need to start investing in real estate. If not G, GP, LP. Mm-hmm. You got to start investing. You got to learn the business, first of all, how it's operated. There are many components to it, right? The property management, investor relationships. So, uh, so you got to know each and every aspect of this business before you start doing the GP. Uh, normally, uh, once you start learning the business, I would say about at least uh, 12 to 18 months before you can find your own GP deal, because uh, there are so many things that you need to put in place before you can do a GP, right? You have to have your investor relationship. You're in, you have to build the network, first of all. Uh, you need to have certain softwares, uh, you know, uh, funnels in place, uh, marketing campaigns in place. You need to have the leadership platform like yours, uh, you know, in place. Um, and uh, initially, when you start as an LP, you are kind of partnering with someone who is actually doing the deal. If you're doing the deal with someone uh, like what I did, I was like a most active passive investor, you know, as I said, uh, try to, you know, learn from them uh, as much as you can. You have to provide a value. You know, no one is going to say, okay, you can come, we'll give you the, uh, we'll teach you uh, something. You have to make sure you provide a value to them and they will give the experience in return. Yeah, that's an outstanding answer there. Provide value, always lead with helping another person rather than looking to just get a handout or uh, a hand there. So that's, that's a great insight as well. This next question is more of a a personal question and it's completely up to you how far in depth you want to go with this. But a lot of our listener base, they have W-2 income or another business and they're just looking at real estate as an alternative stream of income, either to come in as an LP or as a, a GP. But we're always looking to try to balance our time and maximize our time. So with that being said, the question is how, as of today with all the projects that you have going on, how do you balance your personal life and, and business and ensure that both receive their proper attention? Okay, that's that's a little tough to balance sometimes, you know, uh, because you're so much into business. Uh, there are so many items or, uh, you know, things lined up that you have to finish as soon as possible. Uh, but I make sure, you know, uh, first of all, I bring my family on board. You know, my family does understand what kind of business I'm doing, how much time it takes from me. They do understand. And uh, I, I I always tell them, you know, any, uh, you know, I'll spend time with, you know, I have scheduled with them on Saturdays and Sundays. I, I am all theirs, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I plan my vacations with my family uh, early on so that I don't, you know, I have that free time with them. Uh, no business, no phone calls, nothing. And uh, every evening, you know, after I come back, uh, normally I spend at least uh, one hour with my kid, you know, playing with him. Uh, mm-hmm. I got two boys uh, and I every day I I spend at least one hour after I come back from work. Wow. No matter what. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I'm a huge family guy. And, you know, business and success is great, but 
you know, at the end of life, you you really want to make sure that you've really gave them some attention along the way as well. So uh, it's always interesting to hear different people's perspective on that. Next question is, if a person had a very limited amount of time because of W-2 income or another business, what could they do to start a successful business like yours? First of all, you know, as you if you're on W-2, you're booked from nine to five. So the only time you have is either early morning or late night. I would say, depending on what kind of uh, person you are, you know, if you're, uh, if you wake, like to wake up early, like me, uh, start your day at five in the morning, you know, spend at least two to three hours on the things that you wanted to do. If you're part of, if your passion is real estate, uh, start working, spend some time, you know, researching what, what, uh, what you can do. Uh, the other thing is start going to the networking events. Start reading books or, or go through the podcast, you know, listen to the podcast like you join the online community like bigger pockets, uh, you know, uh, in the if you go to the meetups, right, meetups.com, you can find so many uh, events around you. Try to participate in uh, those events. I would say, you know, every day, at least take out two to three hours every day to focus on what you want to do and scar out some car out sometimes over the weekend to go through the networking events. Okay. That's great insight. Next question. If a person had very little cash and experience, what would you recommend for them to do to become an active syndicator? Very little cash. Uh, so as an active in active investor, uh, you need cash, first of all. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, you need you know you need quite quite a bit of cash because uh, the thing is, n- not only you need to convince your investors that you are investing alongside them, uh, you also have to build your platforms. You know, uh, your business, your back office, everything. So uh, if you're just starting out, you don't have cash. Uh, I would say start working with someone who. Uh, who is in the same business uh, where you want to go, uh, start working with them, gain some experience. Uh, as I said earlier, right? Provide a value, convince them that you can provide the value to them, uh, learn from them, build up some money, save some money, build up, and then uh, start investing actively. Maybe you can start investing with them, uh, you know, along actively. And then carve out your own business on the side. Yeah, that's an amazing answer because in the world of the internet, there's so many times that people push the narrative that you don't need any cash to do anything. But a lot of times you do need cash, whether it's for attending meetup events or creating websites. And it's all kind of areas that you will need some kind of um, income to to get things off the ground with. So that's great. And, and many of the times I've seen, you know, people talking like, you know, you can start wholesaling, but yeah, you can start wholesaling, but you know how much marketing you need to do yeah. to get the wholesaling? Uh, you got to burn some gas. You got to start, you know, start mailing some uh, good amount of, uh, you know, letters to the prospective sellers. And yeah. and you don't know when it when it's going to click, when is your first deal going to click? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Yeah, very true. Ted, this is the last question. What is the best way for an active GP to connect with limited partners to invest within their syndications? First of all, reach out to people like you and me, I would say, you know, uh, who is already in the business, right? And uh, try to try to un un enroll in their database, I would say. Uh, like if you have a company, I have a company, right? People can go and uh, uh, register themselves uh, to be a part of the investor club. Uh, in that way, uh, you will get uh, weekly updates, news, uh, you know, you will get uh, a flow of uh, any deals that we are pursuing. Uh, initially, you can just, uh, uh, and you'll also be able to attend all the meetings that we get, the events that we might have uh, to showcase our uh, new investments. Once uh, you have uh, gone through a few deals and uh, if anything clicks, if the credit fits your criteria, just go, just give a call. You know, this looks good. Uh, schedule a call with uh, people like you and me and uh, you can get going. Yeah, that's great and outstanding answer there. And connected with experienced sponsors and active syndicators is a great way to get connected with uh, passive investors. Hey, Ted, thanks for the awesome answers. You have provided significant value to the Moonlight audience. We're going to start wrapping things up. And before we wrap things up, we always like to find out what a great personal development book or business book you would recommend for the Moonlight audience. Okay. So with regards to the books, right, I'm sure many of your you know, guests might have recommended the purple book. So I'm not going to recommend that. I'll mm -hmm. recommend something else. Uh, the one in real estate I like is uh, Millionaire Real Estate Investors by Gary Keller. Uh, it's a good book. It gives a wisdom of uh, hundreds of uh, real estate, millionaire real estate investors that Gary had interviewed. Everything is packed jam in this book. So it gives a uh, high level summary of what the mindset you need to have and how did they make it, you know, uh, the other guys. Uh, the other book with regards to business specifically, I would, I would like to recommend is Traction. Traction by Gino Wickman. That's a good book. Uh, it gives you um, a good perspective on how you can scale the business. Yeah. yeah, both of those books are phenomenal. I remember I read Gary Keller's book. I was an agent maybe about three years ago, and it was great just seeing yeah. all those real world experience operators and hearing their stories. It was definitely inspirational there. So, hey, Ted, thanks once again for the answers, all the insight that you have provided. Thanks for coming on to the show. Is there any way our Moonlight audience could reach out to you? If someone wanted to connect, do you have a preferred method? Sure. If uh, any one of your listeners wants to connect, they can go to our website, estricapital.com. Uh, uh, they can always reach out to me directly on my email, which is ted, T-E-D, at astrecapital.com. And uh, I'm always on LinkBook, face, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook. So we can connect there too. Okay. Yep. There you have it, guys. Definitely reach out to Ted. He's doing great things and a great person. Once again, Ted, thanks for coming out to the show. I'd love to have you back anytime. I'll be happy to come back on the show. Thanks for having me, Eric. All right. No problem. Hey, and to you Moonlight listeners, let's keep pursuing financial security through real estate. And while you're at it, let's keep moonlighting. Thanks for tuning in to the Moonlight Real Estate Syndication Show. Please make sure to give us a five-star review, subscribe to this channel, and 
please share this podcast with someone else. Until next time, let's keep pursuing financial security, not job security. We'll catch you in the next episode. Oh, 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 oh,